Hey everyone, it's Krista Bontrager and I'm your tour guide this year as we go through the Bible as part of the Route 66 campaign for Grace Church of Glendora. This is the Points of Interest podcast where we preview this week's reading and get you ready to get into the Word of God. Are you ready? Here we go! We're continuing to make our way through the epistles of Paul. And this week we'll be looking at Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and the book of First Thessalonians. And we're going to go through these in pretty rapid fire. They're all fairly short, so it won't be difficult to get through them. But we've got some territory to cover here in the podcast because we want to touch on each of these so that we'll be prepared this week uh, to interact with the text as we go along. Now, the book of Ephesians is my favorite epistle, and I guess I like it because, in my opinion, it's a great place for a new believer to start. It's sort of the whole story in a nutshell. I like those kinds of big picture concepts because that's how I think. And the whole first chapter of Ephesians, in a way, is like a thumbnail of all of history, beginning in eternity past. And going up through our salvation. It's just a lovely snapshot of understanding who we are and understanding what God has done for us as his people. And and notice in chapter one how all three persons of the Trinity factor in and, and play a different role in our salvation. Something fun to look for as you read through the book of Ephesians is to look for those things that differentiate who we were before coming to Christ and who we are now that we are in Christ. When my daughter Emily was in about the fifth grade, she chose the book of Ephesians for us to study as her main Bible lessons one year. And we spent a a few months on it. And that was one of the activities I had her do was read through the book of Ephesians and make two different lists. Who were you apart from Christ? And who are you now in Christ? It's a fun little list and you're going to get a lot of adjectives on there. And I think this exercise really helps to bring in a good understanding of of how God sees us, how he saw us before and how he sees us now as his children. And again, this is part of the overall story of our salvation. It's a little bit like when you were a child and you ask your grandfather, Grandpa, tell me a story. That's what the book of Ephesians is. It's the story of our salvation, both before Christ, all the way to eternity past, now and in the future. Now, the city of Ephesus is in Asia Minor, as is the location of the other short epistles that we were in. Last week we were in Galatians, this week we're in Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All of those are located in Asia Minor. The church there is primarily Gentile believers at this point, and in the book of Ephesians, The issue of Jewish identity markers, circumcision, food laws, obeying the the Jewish calendar and Sabbath and those kinds of things are still lurking in the background, but aren't as prominent as what they were in the church in Galatia. What we see in the book of Ephesians more so, and also in Colossians, is the presence of Paul's teaching against the, the powers, the evil forces in the heavenly realms. There was a strong 
tradition in both Ephesus and Colossae to engage in practices related to um, kind of divination, magic, sorcery, and calling upon intermediate spirits between people and and the gods to, to help aid them. They would use casting of spells and this sort of thing. So this is the setting in which both the churches in Ephesus and Colossae find themselves, this very magic-rich culture. And so in a way, there is this face-off between whose powers are greater? Is it the power of the local gods, the local deities, or is it the power of Christ? And we really see that theme prominently playing in the book of Colossians. So when Paul is giving them this advice of, you know, there is no other name under heaven by which you must be saved, and calling on the name of Jesus, that he's over all of the powers and rulers and authority. That's what's lurking in the background there of, of those statements. Now we turn to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is a very personal letter from the Apostle Paul. We really see how the Philippian church has reached out to him and blessed him by supporting him, even though he's in difficult circumstances. Uh, again, it's a mostly Gentile church, by this point. And Paul is in prison. He's writing from prison. And the church in Philippi has sent a gift to him through Paul's friend Epaphroditus. And Paul is very grateful for this. And so we just really see this this other side of Paul and, and it, what makes Paul tick. And, and really what that's about is is Christ crucified and, and raised from the dead. And that, that really is, again, the, the core part of the story. Because remember, the Bible is history and the gospel is history. And that history that makes Paul tick is the story of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. In particular, I love the section in the book of Philippians in chapter 2 where it talks about the humility of Christ and this this early kind of creedal statement, this statement of faith that Paul gives us starting in verse 6 up through about 11 about how Jesus humbled himself to the point of death and then he is exalted by God the Father. And I think that what's interesting is that it parallels, uh, verse 10 actually parallels Isaiah 45, 23, where it has a very similar statement, but it says that the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In the Isaiah passage, it parallels that and applies that statement to Yahweh, the covenant God of the Jews. And so by connecting these two statements Paul is saying in no uncertain terms that Jesus is God. It's such a powerful statement. And this might have even been a, a statement or a song that Christians in the very early church would have sung or recited together as kind of a summary of their beliefs about who Jesus was. And that fits in, in Paul's overall theme of the book where he's really just trying to encourage the Philippian church and exhort them to be like Christ, to be like Paul, his servant as well. And that's kind of the general theme of the book. So look for that as an overarching kind of organizing principle. Be like Christ and imitate Paul, his servant. This whole letter is just wonderful in, in the theme of 
Christ as a servant is what we are called to be even today. And those exhortations that Paul gives the Philippian church hit home for all of us that all of us need to be servants and serving each other and what that means as we're living in the, the community of God, how we can serve each other just like Jesus did in the incarnation and in the crucifixion and resurrection. Finally, we get to the book of First Thessalonians this week. And many scholars think that this is actually the earliest written book of the New Testament, possibly as early as 50 AD. Paul writes from Corinth. This would have been, you know, within about 15 years or so of Jesus' death and ascension. And Paul is writing to this church of new converts in Thessalonica. We had a little bit of detail about this back in the book of Acts. Paul spent a few weeks there in Thessalonica preaching. People came to faith. And this is probably the church that was established as a result of that. But this book predates the book of Acts in terms of writing. And it is a very early book. Paul wants to give these young believers in Thessalonica Uh, some instruction for how to live the Christian life in light of their, their life as Gentiles in the faith. And you can almost hear the, a little bit of anxiety in Paul's voice as he's writing. He's got a lot of concerns, very deep concerns about the, this young church, but he's also relieved to hear that things are going basically well. There's a report back from Timothy that, that things are, are, are going okay. And then Paul just wants to buttress those things and, and buttress their beliefs and encourage them to continue on in the things that they've started here within their Christian conversions. But a major problem has come up that is difficult for this young church, and that is that they are suffering from persecution. And so Paul really wants to encourage them to hang in there in their faith. And even though some things are lacking, that they're on the right path and Jesus really lived. He really is the Messiah and keep on in your faith and, and persevere to the end. But you can tell this young church just doesn't know a lot doctrinally. And he's giving them very basic instructions toward the end of the book. In particular, he focuses on the question of the end times and, and how things will end. There was concerns apparently within this church of a lack of understanding of what would happen when a Christian dies. And so, again, this idea that the epistles are occasional theology. They're prompted by a certain circumstance and situation that comes up that people need more instruction about. So Paul's giving them that instruction about what's going to happen to them at, at the end times or when they die. And we'll see these themes about the end and, and life after death will continue and be revisited in the book of Second Thessalonians next week. Well, it's going to be fairly easy reading this week. I hope you enjoy it. I hope this gives you a few pointers of things to look for along the way on your journey. We've only got a few weeks left. We're getting so close. I want to encourage you to to finish strong. And it's not too late to encourage others. This is a great part of the Bible to encourage others to jump into because it's fairly easy. Reading through the epistles is some of the easier aspects of the literature in the Bible. So, Don't hesitate to share the podcast with a friend. 
maybe on Facebook or, or send them a link on email and just let them know how you've been blessed through this broadcast and, and how you want to share that blessing with others. Remember, we're in this together and I want to see you at the finish line. We'll see you next week. God bless.